0: Broadcasting from the PlottiesPodcast.com. You're listening to Beyond the Movement with your host, Heidi Miller.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining Beyond the Movement, The Plotties Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Miller. In today's episode, I'm talking with Melissa Turnock from Sydney, Australia, and we're going to be discussing the public floor in regards to the Plotties method. So here we go. First of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: okay I um I've been absorbed in the Pilates world since about 1998 when I started off as a client myself finally found, finding something that helped with years of back pain I had back pain from when I was about 20 I was studying speech pathology and sitting on those little itty-bitty kids chairs in preschools and started to develop back pain at that stage and needed to get on top of that really quickly and unfortunately i didn't find anything that helped with the pain until i was about 30 and that was pilates i I stumbled upon it through the work i was doing at the time and fortunately for me i found something that was a longer term management approach you know i'd had physio osteo chiropractic i'd even been to see a rheumatologist and it was scoliosis was my Mm -hmm. issue um, which, you know, now working with lots of bodies I see is really, really common, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. Um, mine was creating a lot of pain and a lot of people get away without too much pain but I, w- I would wake up in the morning and would need my husband to help me stretch my hamstrings by helping me get my legs up a wall and mm-hmm. lay on the floor. So it was kind of debilitating for someone in their 20s and so the the Pilates was such a a relief and a revelation that I could manage this problem you know Mm -hmm. I didn't have to keep paying therapists to make me feel good and they'd make me feel good for a day or two and then it would all just creep back again so fairly fairly standard sort of scoliosis problems is where I've come from.
1: Okay and where did you do your studies to become a teacher?
0: I have done all sorts actually I started off doing what we call an internship and in Australia there is lots and lots of ways to become a Pilates instructor that that are some formal some not so formal so the way I started I met my very first Pilates instructor as the client and she wanted to open her own studio and train people to become instructors mm-hmm. so I was one of her very first doing a sort of an internship if you like and This was not a qualification or a certification that was recognized by any of the professional associations at the time. Mm -hmm. This was just me falling in love with Pilates and thinking, this is something that I want to learn. That was here in Sydney and that was in 90, no, I had a baby and then I started when he was small. So I started my certification training at the end of 2002.
1: Okay, wonderful. And... um... You also own a studio. Well, I
0: did own a oh, studio. Yes. Oh, you did? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. That's that's past in my past life when I didn't have a life. <laughs> I had a studio. <laughs> I went into business with this fantastic Pilates instructor who I had met in Sydney, Okay. Uh-huh. And she she wanted to set this studio up and I was ready to go into small business. I was kind of at the stage in my career life where I felt ready for such a challenge. Okay. So We were a great, great team because she was a technician, extraordinary technician, and I really loved the way she taught and thought she was very skilled. And I had the sort of background with um, setting up business and managing staff and all of that kind of thing. So, we we did that together and Mm -hmm. then I did it for three years and do you know what? I got to the end of sort of about two years and I thought… I don't think that this is for me, Mm -hmm. being a a small business owner and for every small business owner out there, you know, it becomes all-consuming, it fills your head at 11 (laughs) o'clock at night and with a small child and, you know, wanting to really maintain a family life, I just said to my business partner... I think I need to get out, but I really don't want to introduce a third party to this. You Mm -hmm. and I have done such a fabulous job. And she ended up buying me out. So it's now the business entirely. So that worked out well. It did. It did. Mm -hmm. And... That was her preferred option and now I still work there to this day. I, I'm working part-time for her two days a week.
1: Okay, wonderful. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no, it's just such a big thing and, and you know, as, as uh, one of the guys I was talking to the other day that sells Pilates equipment said, Mel, you have to marry passion with reality. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, as a small business owner, there's a heck of a lot of reality that you have to deal with and... You, I, I personally felt that in my life I needed a balance and mm-hmm. what had happened was that Pilates and owning a studio had taken over my life. Yes, absolutely. And, and in life, and I've heard this on many of your podcasts, you discuss the broader issues. Yes. There really is a heck of a lot of levels to humans and a lot of, a lot of needs that we have and most of them weren't being met because it, Three o'clock in the afternoon, I'd get a call from a staff member saying, "I can't come into work tonight." Exactly. And you can't drop everything when you've got a small child. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a great passion of mine, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I just got to the point where I thought, I want to keep this Pilates going, but I really don't want to be tied to running your business. And right. fortunately, I had a very um, accommodating business partner that, that could say that that was probably the best thing too. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and so are you, so we're going to be talking about the pelvic floor today and you discuss, and you had recommended that as a topic. Is that something that you um, are real passionate about, uh, are really good with teaching? Um, yeah. So tell me more yeah. about that and how you I'm came just- about wanting to talk about that that topic.
0: Yep. Yeah. It in the I think the beginnings of it came through the the amount of research that was coming out and I, I don't know how much access you guys to have to research papers in the states, but there really is a fairly active research community through the physiotherapists in Australia, and particularly from the University of Queensland, they do quite a lot of research on back pain and you might have heard of names like Julie Hydes um, they have done a lot of work and they started talking about the pelvic floor, and and then I read a, a book about the sowers and the pelvic floor, and again that was through the the Queensland Physiotherapy Group, and it just really got me to thinking about the mystique of the pelvic floor, and and all of a sudden during the period that I was a Pilates instructor, at the very beginning it was never talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, two thousand and two and three, it really wasn't something that figured in the way we worked with clients. Sure. But recently, it seems like many channels are saying if you're not recruiting your pelvic floor, you're not actually really engaging TA mm-hmm. and that multifidus complex. And, and the way that, that we started to look at it was a bit of a, a triad of muscular recruitment, transverse abdominis, pelvic floor and that multifidus complex. Mm-hmm. So, I think my, my personal background in Pilates, coming in through the pain channel, as I call it, not through being a dancer or a gym instructor, has just always had me very interested in the dysfunction of mm-hmm. the body.
1: Absolutely. And
0: the pelvic floor is just such an unknown quantity in so many clients. So, I started to do my own reading and what I found was that... The approaches, uh, you know, every workshop I could go to done on the pelvic floor I would mm-hmm. go to and just hear what everyone had to say about it. Then I started experimenting with Franklin Balls and I'm sure you've heard of Eric Franklin.
1: Oh, absolutely, yes.
0: I'm so excited. I'm going to get to go to two of his workshops at the Body Mind Expo in ne- next month and he is my absolute hero, so that's really exciting for me. I, I'm in love with his balls, well you know, his little green principles. (laughs) (laughs) They have been such a revelation in our Pilates studio. I started to use them um, on the glute area and Uh spent a lot of time trying to get clients to understand the deep external rotator glutes. And I started discovering that using those to get that trigger point release benefit really softened up the pelvis for a lot of people and so then we started using the franklin balls to dig into the sewers okay. in mm-hmm. position and then I got really brave and I got clients to start actually sitting on a pel sitting on a franklin ball uh-huh. with the, the sitz bones supported and all of that right and then I just started to kind of become the person in the studio that dealt with pelvic floor okay But it it kind of just all grew from my own sort of interest in it and and every different technique that I could read about it, I have done. Mm -hmm. My most interesting discovery lately is the number of people that are having diagnosed as hypertonic pelvic floors.
1: Oh, yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, and and it's actually more common than you think because once you start delving in with the clients and really asking lots of questions once they've established that, that sort of trust relationship with you, it's actually quite common.
1: What? Explain what that is exactly, just for our listeners.
0: The the hypotonic uh-huh. pelvic floor.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, sometimes women can sustain injuries to the pelvic floor area when they're young, or trauma through childbirth or surgery mm-hmm. related to gynecological conditions, or they just happen to have a hypotonic pelvic floor, and uh-huh. it's just like the pelvic floor never relaxes. Right so there are so many associated issues um, regarding sexual function and then regarding pregnancy and childbirth and all mm-hmm. of those things but those kind of people they really need to see a, 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 speci- a specialist in that area and we have a, an ongoing relationship with a, a pelvic floor physiotherapist that we oh, okay. would always refer clients to. I'm, I'm certainly not going to, to look at a client and then decide for myself that it's okay I know what's going on that's sure. way not what Pilates is about so I've got three clients at the moment that are going to see someone and we communicate with that physiotherapist um, to work out what to actually do and sometimes there is so much hypertonicity in the pelvic floor that you have to kind of just leave it completely out of what you're doing with the client Oh, interesting other things, Mm -hmm. because as soon as you mention the word pelvic floor or you talk about any of the muscles in that area, you Mm -hmm. just, you know from the ultrasound treatment that they've had with the physio that Mm -hmm. they're going to be squeezing the heck out of it and (laughs) they can't relax it. What are,
1: um, I'm I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but what are the um, symptoms of a hypertonic pelvic floor? Like how would, would somebody know just a regular person or as a Pilates teacher, how would you know if you had a hypertonic pelvic floor or if you were teaching someone with a hypertonic pelvic floor
0: the the pilates is just not inv- that invasive that i would really know if someone right. had a hypertonic pelvic floor generally they've been investigated and had invasive treatment with a physiotherapist or some other kind oh, of okay. specialist so that diagnosis tends to come back to you okay mhm Yeah, by the client um and but but i having said that you know, Pilates is not hugely invasive, I'm starting to get quite hands-on with my pelvic floor clients. You you know how you get more confidence with these things as you do them. And I've run two, no, three workshops now with clients on a Saturday afternoon focusing just on the pelvic floor Mm -hmm. and and I'm finding myself being braver and braver each time with what I'm prepared to do. So... One of the techniques I use is to um, get the client in supine and establish some bony landmarks with them and and find the pubic bone and actually dig both their thumb tips deep down Mm -hmm. on an angle behind the pubic bone, angling towards the sits bones. Okay. And... Some can feel the obliques firing, you know, that thickening and that pushing out, feeling of the obliques under the thumbs. And then we try and dispel that and take it deeper and deeper. And you you can actually, I believe, and this is not, you know, evidence through ultrasound or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but just through my own clinical practice, encourage clients to feel the contraction of the pelvic floor at that very, very deep level. And often it's about less is more, isn't it, with the pelvic floor contraction? Yes, absolutely, yeah. So, we do lots of exaggerated, okay, let's really give it everything you've got and then let's just knock it on the head and knock it back little by little until mm-hmm. you feel that thinning out of the muscles under your thumbs. Okay. Uh-huh. As opposed to the bulging and the pushing. And what's really cool is that you can start to feel the difference between the two sides. Yes. Yeah. Um Absolutely. And then we actually put the fingers on the pubic bone while we walk around the room. Okay. Interesting.
1: So, where where are your fingers placed on your pubic bone when you're walking around the room?
0: Well, the um, the pointer fingers are the best ones, and you actually place them sort of down the length of the pubic bone, and really. Connect with the two signs. You've got that pubic symphysis and most people think of it as a bone, don't they? Just one. Yes. Mm-hmm. But what's really uh, interesting for people is to find that when they do walk around and they've got the fingers, you know, heading north-south down the mm-hmm. line of the pubic bone, just gently, don't press for dear life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can feel that sometimes one's a bit jarry, and sometimes one really moves really well. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or a miracle of miracles, they're quite symmetrical in their movement. And, right. And... I think that those kind of really identifying the bony structures related to the pelvic floor, you've got to really encourage clients through that process because it's not really something that women spend a lot of time doing.
1: Exactly, right.
0: Staying with the bones of their hips. And and if if they really want to understand the orientation of the pelvic floor and the mm-hmm. sink-like nature and all of those things, they need to understand the attachments.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So do you find that more, have you had any male clients and worked with the pelvic floor with them in particular?
0: Yeah, I had one very brave man come to one of my Saturday workshops. Um, He'd done quite a lot of Pilates with us and was generally a very self-aware, body-aware kind of Mm -hmm. guy and wanted to hear for himself. So the only real difference for him that I had to incorporate was different cues for recruitment of the pelvic floor. Um, And, you know, class things like Drawing the testicles into the body or lifting the testicles off ice cubes.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but really, in terms of the bony anatomy, there's the similar sort of information for the male clients, and they're often surprised that they've even got a pelvic floor. Of know? course, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Think
0: of that—that's all the girly stuff that doesn't apply <laughs> to them. But but once you start talking to guys about the, the kind of cylinder nature mm-hmm. of the diaphragm top. The pelvic diaphragm on the bottom and the walls, then they kind of get that sense of control of that cylinder. So, uh, you know, very few male clients and I have delved deep into this issue, but mm-hmm. but just that that one brave one that time.
1: Right, absolutely. So when you're teaching a class, um, just a regular class in in the studio,
0: or do you teach classes in your studio like groups? No, no, the way our studio works is we have a maximum of three clients in the okay. studio at any one time, but I'm teaching them individually.
1: Oh, okay, so that makes okay. it a little bit easier then to work with, um, yeah. to cue them and, and work with them uh, in the Pilates method,
0: yeah. cueing the public
1: floor, yeah.
0: It's very specific what we do and it's the only way I've ever taught. So, it's actually quite full on for new instructors when they come to work with us because they're quite used to like maybe three or four people doing their own thing and they supervise. Mm -hmm. But I actually am teaching online for Uh that day, that person every single time I see them based on what we've been doing, what the goals of the assessment were, etc. But... The three people could be doing completely different things to each other at at any one time. So it's very multitasking, Mm -hmm. um, but I find it very stimulating.
1: Okay, wonderful. So in the cueing of the pelvic floor, do you have um, some specific cues that you like the most?
0: Yeah. Yeah. First of all, to um, reduce the overactivity of, and and we kind of talk about the pelvic floor as the front half and the back half. Mm -hmm. So I talk about um, trying to get a sense of feeling the front half and the back half work and then pairing the effort back, really reduce how hard you're doing this. Um, The image that works, two images that work particularly well are um, particularly in um, four-point kneeling, I do a lot of work in four-point kneeling on in these workshops. Is to actually visualise the sits bones gliding towards each other. Mm-hmm. Without moving your skeleton, just shorten the distance and feel the muscles actually gliding those two bones together. Mm -hmm. And we've done a lot of hands-on location of these bones before and everyone's very surprised how close they are to each other and how small that outlet actually is. Mm -hmm. But I think that really helps people reduce the ferocity of the effort that they put into the pelvic squeezes because it Mm -hmm. is so small. And the other one, which is my absolute favourite and and my favourite Pilates instructor gave this one to me is to imagine that you are sipping lemonade through a straw into oh, your okay. pelvic floor. Yeah, and that's a that good word, one. And just that word, sipping, you know, straw, that kind of dimension, mm-hmm. I think, um, can help with perhaps the initiation of the pelvic floor. Um, and the one that I use most commonly is um, when we're really getting down and dirty into the, the mechanics of it all is to imagine that you are giving your partner Mm-hmm. A really good squeeze during the oh, okay, act of love. okay,
1: that's, that's a great one. That's
0: more that really upward, inward, into the body kind of feeling, and and that can cope with a bit more oomph. That one, so okay, yeah, yeah. right. Things.
1: That's a good, That's a good one. So, in regards to teaching, can you give an example if you were teaching um, a Pilates exercise on maybe like footwork on the reformer? Mm-hmm. You know, just to yep. give and just kind of as an example, because sometimes, um, uh, you know, it's I find that sometimes it can be challenging to cue uh, and other teachers, you know, as well find that it can be challenging to cue one part of the body, but then uh, relate it to the the whole body. You know, so how yep. do you relate the pelvic floor to the whole, you know, the whole center, but then how they're initiating the movement on like the reformer doing footwork?
0: Yeah. The, the bringing together of the pelvic floor with the rest of the body, I do through the information that I provide people about the diaphragm, the breathing diaphragm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because when you've got the breathing diaphragm moving healthily up and down with the respiration, because of the intra abdominal pressure changes, and this is you know not how I would explain it to the clients. Sure. But essentially, the pelvic floor itself should be moving healthily with that so with the depression of the diaphragm the pelvic floor balloon slightly Mm -hmm. so the first thing I would do is is get them aware of what that feels like and my favorite position to do this is to do on the wonder chair to do footwork on the wonder chair
1: okay because Mm -hmm. you've got
0: that proprioception of the sits bones and we pick up the fleshy buttocks and we move them out of the way and we rock forward and back and we find those sits bones big Mm -hmm. time if they're laying on their back on the reformer I often use the Franklin Balls under the particularly the upper glute area mm-hmm. for a little while to help decrease that because it just seems the number of people that have excessive tension in those external rotators is mm-hmm. is pretty high. Um, so if they're on, on their back on the reformer doing footwork, it would be about the breath. It would be mm-hmm. I want you to experience the movement on the flow of the out breath, and it is a flow of the breath and. Visualize your diaphragm dropping down as you exhale, and feel the pelvic floor movement with that. Um, if we're talking about pushing away for the resistance of the against the footbar, again, it would be about not moving the skeleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, visualizing the sits bones together, and if the Franklin balls are under their glutes, they can feel themselves squeezing the heck out of the glutes as well. So that's okay. a cue to back that one right off.
1: Right, right.
0: And the big one is that little pelvic tuck that they like to do when mm-hmm. they push off from the reformer. Yeah? yeah. So we're actually really needing to visualize the pelvis being held stable by the pelvic floor drawing up and in. Oh, okay. So the st- yes. The stability mm-hmm. comes from within your body oh, rather okay. than from you grabbing and gripping those leg and hip muscles.
1: Right. That's a great cue to feel like you're stabilizing your pelvis from within. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and it
0: just adds that softness to it, you know, because you Mm -hmm. know how hard they try to do what we're asking them to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, that's
1: great. Yeah, that's good.
0: The the thing about the pelvic floor that that I'll just say is that it's not something that I feel I can address adequately in the studio setting with my clients. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless I happen to have a, a one-on-one, which occasionally will happen, or two clients at the same time instead of the usual three, mm-hmm. I might find those moments to do it. And, but but it's just off, often not contextually appropriate to be talking about a client's pelvic floor when there are other people in the room.
1: Oh, sure, um, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So. Once they've been to my workshop and I really encourage all the new clients to to just make that part of their initiation into Mm -hmm. our studio, then I feel like we've got those little cues, those little images that they've they've heard me teach them at the workshop on Uh the weekend and then I can throw it at them through the session. So that's the way I prefer to do it because it's just so hazy, isn't it? It is.
1: Well, especially with the new client, you know, when they've never done Pilates before to then start talking to them about their pelvic floor. It's sometimes a little bit unnerving for them, yeah, especially yeah. if they've never even some people. I think it's also really unnerving for them to even connect to their abdominals at all. Yeah. So to have, you know, to talk about the pelvic floor with those people can be um uncomfortable for you and for them i think yeah, but it is such yeah. a very important part of of the pilates experience and i'm i am really happy that that it's come into the pilates world i feel really fortunate that when i started my training at the school that i i trained at the pilates center in boulder the plot the pelvic floor was being talked about at that point but in my training in preparing for school the pelvic floor hadn't been talked about so when i got to school all of a sudden it was this big realization of you know really feeling more of my core and more of my power coming from my pelvis and uh and then the back pain that i had been experiencing um constantly for for years as soon as i started to work with the pelvic floor that pain subsided Substantially, yeah. And that was a really amazing um, experience for me as well.
0: Yeah. I think w- when you experience it in your own body, mm-hmm. it, it can do two things. It can make you assume that everybody else thinks about the whole thing in the same way that you do. Mm-hmm. And I often have to say to our newer instructors, don't assume that everyone's going to experience this movement just like you do. Mm-hmm so you have to watch out for that one but but the other great thing about it is that that when when you have that experience in your own body it gives you some extra tools with which to work to help your clients and to come from a position of empathy because you'll just make one comment about yeah it feels really like it's grabbing just there doesn't it and mm-hmm. oh yes that's it you know right that that connection with your clients um, I developed huge SIJ problems with the pregnancy and birth of my son, who is now seven. Mm -hmm. And who knows how related to the scoliosis it was, but essentially that that was the next problem once Mm -hmm. I I, um, postpartum. And the amazing thing with the pelvic floor was that the side of my sacroiliac joint that was giving me all the problem my pelvic floor on that side was hardly even working at all. So, you know, mm-hmm. just all these little pieces tied, tied together as I, I discovered both within my body and, and in the research that I was doing. So I think that the more you can keep your eyes open to what's going on around you mm-hmm. and absorbing new information, the, the more inspiring you get as a Pilates instructor. And that's what I love about it. You know, there yes. is just a world out there of potential ways to deal with our clients.
1: Absolutely. And,
0: once you tap into that, it it's it's incre- incredibly rewarding.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: What's and your- I can hear that in your voice when you do these <laughs> podcasts, you know. And I think yes, that's the way Pilates is for me too. That's great. Oh,
1: that's great. Thank you. No, I do. I'm. I always say that I'm completely in love with Pilates, and when I found it, I really felt like it was. Uh, uh. I've been find- I've been trying to look for it my whole life, and finally found it. So I feel mm-hmm. really fortunate that I found it uh, in my 20s when I did
0: yeah yeah it's a lifelong passion for us isn't it
1: it is do you have um mary bowen's uh stool do you know what i'm talking about it's a stool that it's a square stool and it and you sit on it with the corner in between your legs rather than how we usually sit on all the chairs are square yeah. and this one you sit um with the corner in between your legs and it's it brings you right into your sits bones and, and right into your pelvic floor. Like you, all of a sudden, you know what that feels like.
0: Yeah, It's amazing. No, we, we don't have that available here. There's so much stuff we don't have available yeah. here that you guys have access to. And, you know, we feel like we're on a bit of a lost island when it comes to a lot of resources. But, um, yeah, I, I haven't experienced any of the stuff that Mary Bowen's done, but I've, I've seen her name a lot.
1: Yeah, um, I think you can order the stool... From her directly, because mm-hmm. I think I think that her husband actually makes them each individually. <laughs>
0: if he asks then that's yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, but yeah. But if you sit on if you you can sit on a long box, yep. and you know for the reformer sit on a long box with the corner in between your legs, yep. and you can get a similar result. And you yeah, just might yeah. have to set it at the pr- at the appropriate height where your knees are just slightly above. The hips, because if the knees yeah. are just slightly above the hips, then you can feel the femur bones sliding into the hip joint. Yep. And then that yep. can help you be aware of whether or not you're really gripping in those in the hips or not. You can really feel your sits bones. And I think, nice I, I just think it's fascinating. I think they should really design Pilates equipment like maybe like a Wanda chair shaped like a triangle instead. <laughs> Oh, that wouldn't be great! (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we should do that. (laughs) It's a great idea.
0: (laughs) I I use the um, the the Franklin balls, and I actually get people putting them under their sits bones Mm -hmm. and and balancing themselves on top. And you know, that's not a a natural sitting position. But um, if you make sure the feet are supported and the hip flexors aren't grabbing big time, and Mm -hmm. and that. That idea you've just had there about letting the femurs drop into the socket—I hadn't thought of combining that one into it. Uh-huh. Then I think you can really help orient people because they—they they really have very little sense of where their pelvis sits and mm-hmm. what's going on down there, right? Absolutely, yeah. No, it's 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 absolutely true, and in, in their relationship to their
1: lower spine position, and yeah, and all that. So, until
0: what, you have problems with it, you generally don't even notice that you've it's, got one.
1: It's absolutely true. I think, though, as women, though, we're more aware of the pelvic floor than than men are, unless men have problems with them. But as women, I think, just from the from having children, that aspect, you know, we're a little bit more aware of of the pelvic floor yeah. in general,
0: and and general sort of gynecological needs that a oh, lot of yeah. women have through through their teens and their twenties. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's something we're kind of forced to become acquainted with, but. A lot of the clients um, are developing incontinence and, Mm -hmm. you know, for most women that have had a baby, they will sneeze or cough and experience a little bit of incontinence. So you become acutely aware that, you know, it's not quite as supportive as it used to be. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: What's your favorite Pilates exercise? Do you have a favorite? Uh,
0: Well my current favorite because Mm -hmm. I do experience different um phases my current favorite favorite is diamond press oh okay that's a nice one yeah prone and Uh um you know how I guess finally that the exercises gelled for me you know mm-hmm. I finally one day it's like that's what it should feel like so the joy of actually sharing that with clients at the moment and and I try and incorporate a little bit of prone work into every session with my mm-hmm. clients because we mm-hmm. spend so much time flex forward hanging off our shoulders um, so diamond press but very closely followed by single leg stretch Okay. All right. Good, good. I love the, the dynamic motion of that one and that sense of really anchoring the pelvis to the floor and the, the challenge of adding another five and another five and, mm-hmm. you know, um, so yeah, they're, they're my number ones right now. Okay.
1: Good, good. Yeah. Um, so if somebody would want to get in contact with you, how is the best way for them to contact you?
0: Yep. Well, the studio that I work at is called Spring Pilates and that's in North Sydney. Um, just opposite the Opera House on the north side and that would the website is springpilates.com.au okay the other the other way is through my my online um, Pilates website that I have dot and can you spell that yep that's Pilates Scene so two S's side by side S C E N E Oh,
1: okay, scene. got it. Yes, I did look at that and that so that's your way of bringing the Pilates community together in Australia.
0: Yeah, very very early days in my attempt to unite the what I what I see as quite disparate communities of Pilates instructors in Sydney because there are you know, at least three different schools mm-hmm. of training and then all the rest that I don't know about where... Um, and then you kind of tend to stick to that associations, professional development, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's not a lot of cross-pollination. So I thought the internet's a, a really great place to start to try and actually bring people to a centralised hub, you know, where mm-hmm. they might find out information that are relevant to Pilates instructors. So, yeah, I'm giving that a go at the with the assistance of my husband who is an uber geek and can make things look pretty and work really well (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) that's great so I yeah we'll make sure to
1: direct people to that uh to that website I looked at that and it had a a wealth of information so you're keeping that ongoing then
0: the bloody thing yes definitely I I can't help but put a new post on each day I keep finding such great stuff and Really trying to keep up to minute up to the minute stuff. The archives date back to November, but, but I really want it to be the kind of place that maybe once a week or so that, that okay. someone will say, oh, I'll, just, I'll just check what Pilates Scene is up to and mm-hmm. I just want the resources to grow and grow so it really does become a, the sort of place where someone thinks, oh, I need to get some more foam rollers or I, I wonder how this conference is going and who's going to be presenting. Um, I'll go to Pilates Scene and have a look. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of the thinking okay great
1: well thank you so much for joining me for our conversation today yeah thank you Heidi thanks again Melissa for talking with me on the podcast today that was such an enjoyable experience we got to see each other over over the video part of Skype and so that made it a lot more personal the way we did uh, that Melissa contacted me over email and just wanted to have a discussion about the um, pelvic floor in regards to the Pilates Method. And we didn't have a lot of setup. You know, we didn't have we didn't prepare questions. So, you know, it was really pretty easy to do. So I encourage all of you out there to email in, have a discussion with me. We'll get to maybe see each other on the computer, which um, was just so great, so fun. And so you can email me at Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, at the Podcast.com and email some suggestions on what you'd like to talk about with me. And like I said, in the last podcast, it's it's much easier these days for me to have a discussion with somebody. And also, I think it's a lot more fun uh, possibly to listen to as well. There will still be some monologues that go along with these podcasts as well. But I, I love these discussions. Also, check out Pilatescene.com. And that's S-C-E-N-E.com, Pilatescene.com. And that's the way that Melissa is bringing the Pilates community together. Uh, It has a wealth of information out out on there. Um, So check that out. And if you're ever in Sydney, Australia, then go to Spring Pilates Studio. So I look forward to hearing from some of you out there and we'll be talking with you next time. I'm your host, Heidi Miller.